And uh, uh, how many of you have, have got the book and started reading it? Okay, got a few of you. who I know more people got it than that. Um, I hope you're reading it uh, because that's what it's for. Uh, you know, it, it, if you just buy it, that helps me pay for it, but that doesn't help you any. Uh, but it helps you if you read it, praise God. And so I want to encourage you to do that, praise God. And today we're going to continue with part two of Holy Spirit, our partnership with Him. And uh, let's, let's just lift one hand today and let's just say this together. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for the word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me. So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. I'll receive truth. I'll act upon it. I will be changed by it. And I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, you know, this subject of this person of the Holy Spirit is uh, uh, a very, he's, he's a very misunderstood person. You know, sometimes people refer to him as it. Like I've come to tell you today, he is not an it. He is a person. Praise God. He is knowable. He's relatable. He is lovable. He is, he is uh, personal to your life. Praise God. And so I, I want to encourage you to get to know him because, you know, we talked last week about the fact that he is God. He is, uh, in, in Acts chapter 10, verse number 38, Peter is pre- preaching at Cornelius' house, and he says this, he says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God the Holy Spirit was with him. So we need to understand that he is God. And for, for Holy Spirit to be with you is equivalent to God being with you because he's God. Praise God. Just like Jesus, his name was he called Emmanuel which is God with us. And so for Jesus to be present is equivalent to God being present. Praise God. And so just as, just as much as God the Father is God. And so I, we have to understand that and we have to know this, that, that Holy Spirit wants to have a relationship with you. Praise God. Praise God. And so... Um, many times we misunderstand and we, we think, you know, let me just give you just a little bit of background, you know, in the circles I came up in, you got saved and then you 
got the Holy Ghost, as we said, and uh, uh, which we know that uh, Holy Ghost is, you know, Holy Spirit is, and but we almost thought it was disrespectful to say Holy Spirit. Now, why? I couldn't answer that. I don't have a clue why we thought that, but, uh, but I, I know that when you said Holy Spirit, it was like somehow you were diminishing who he was. And uh, Holy, but Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, it doesn't matter which one. Uh, depends on which translation of the Bible you're reading. Praise God. And so, uh, but I want you to know this person so vital to your life and... Uh, uh, but we thought that, we, we, you know, we asked the question back in those days, well, so-and-so is saved, but do they have the Holy Ghost? And, uh, and, and what we meant was, do they have the baptism with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with tongues? And, and, and we were critical of our brothers and sisters in Christ that said, well, I got the Holy Ghost, I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. I got the Holy Spirit when I was born again. And you know what? They were right. They were right. But there is a second work of the Holy Spirit that is subsequent to being born again. There is something more. Now, I, I'm going to spend a little bit of time dealing with that today because if you believe you received the Holy Spirit when you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are absolutely correct. You did. But there is a, a second work that you need to receive, a second work of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to show that from Scripture. It's not just, you know, this is not just a, a, a Pentecostal thing. This is a Bible thing, okay? All right, so let's go to John chapter 14, verse number 16. It says this, Jesus speaking, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, what I want you to notice from this is he says the world, and when, when the Bible speaks of the world, it's generally speaking of... Uh, the, the people of the world. He's not talking about the earth. He's not talking about the, this planet. He is talking about the world, and sometimes it's talking about the world system, but sometimes it's talking about the people of the world, the people that are, that are in the world. And you've got to take context in order to know which it's speaking of here. And so here it is saying that the world cannot receive him. The world cannot receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we know from the context that he's talking about the people. And it is speaking of, generally, of unbelievers. And in, that is the case 
in this passage of Scripture. He's talking about unbelievers, people who have not been born again, people who have never received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That's who he's talking about here. And so, uh, you know, he's not talking about this planet receiving the Holy Spirit. Well, of course not. He's talking about people cannot receive. The world cannot receive Holy Spirit. Now, if, let me just say this. If he's talking about the new birth and the, re, let, let's refer to it in two ways. Let's talk about the regeneration and the empowering. The regenerating work of the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Two works. Regeneration, that's where you were made a new creature in Christ. And then there is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And, and when he says the world cannot receive, he cannot be talking about the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, if the world can't receive the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, how can the world be saved? Because you, you are born again by the Holy Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that makes you a new creation in Christ. And if the world, if unbelievers can't receive that work of the Holy Spirit, then you couldn't be saved because it requires Holy Spirit to make you new. Praise God. And so, therefore, we know that he must be speaking of a second work of the Holy Spirit. So, now let's look at this. In Acts chapter 2, there were 120 that were gathered together in the upper room. And Jesus had told them to go. He, he, Jesus is getting ready to go back to heaven. And Jesus says to, to his disciples, he says, go and, and wait in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He says, wait there until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But we know Scripture calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead. He is the firstborn among many brethren is what Scripture refers to him as. And it says that, that because he was the firstborn, nobody was born again before Jesus rose from the dead. So you read about all those Old Testament saints, none of them were born again. None of them have what you have. I mean, do you understand that? Do you know that Moses didn't have what you have? Elijah didn't have what you have? The prophet Isaiah didn't have what you have? Because they did not have the, the option to be born again. It was not possible for them because Jesus had to be raised from the dead to make that possible and he had not yet been raised from the dead when, when those guys were around. And so today, every one of you who have chosen Jesus have received Holy Spirit in his regenerating work and you were born again by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And so let, let's go to that and, and look at what happened in Acts chapter 2. 
Verse number one says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So if the world cannot receive this, if unborn-again people cannot receive this work of the Holy Spirit, then I want to know when did these guys get born again? Because they had to get born to be born again before they could receive this second work of the Holy Spirit. It's second because there is a numerical order. And so second, say this with me, say second always follows first. Okay, you gotta have the first before you can have the second. All right, that, that's just that's just simple logic, okay? You must have the first before you receive the second. Second can never be first. All right? So they received a second work, a second uh, empower, a, no, how do I want to say this? Uh, let me just go back to my original statement. A second work. They received a second work, but when did they receive the first? When were they born again? And I read this for years and years and years and missed this. Let's read it again and see what happened here. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one, with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Notice it was a rushing mighty wind. Now what happened, let's think back. I'm not going to turn there, but I want you to think back to Genesis. It says that God created man in his own image and in his own likeness, and he breathed on him the breath of life. Praise God. So what did it sound like when God breathed into Adam's lungs the breath of life? Think of this. God creates, he forms this man from the dust of the earth, and then he breathed into him the breath of life. <sighs> breathed into him the breath of life. What happened on the day of Pentecost before the cloven tongues of fire, before the divided tongues of fire, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. What did God do? He breathed Holy Spirit. What was it that came out of God? Holy Spirit. He is the pneuma of God. The pneuma of God. You know, that's why they call uh, the tires on your car pneumatic tires. You know, they weren't always that way. There was a time when they weren't pneumatic, when they didn't have air in them. But you want your tires to have air in them, all right? Wind in them. 
breath in them. God breathed, and the breath of God, he breathed into him the breath of life. Praise God. And just like Adam became a living being, when he breathed on them on the day of Pentecost, when they heard the sound as of a rushing mighty wind, it filled all of the house, and every person in the house was born again that day. As God breathed his breath back into them. You see, from Adam until the day of Pentecost, they didn't have the breath of life. They didn't have the life of God. They had become separated because of Adam's fall. They had become separated from the life of God. They didn't have that. Like I said, Moses didn't have it. Elijah didn't have it. Uh, you know, none of those prophets of old had that life of God. They had the Holy Spirit come and rest upon them for a specific purpose, for a specific period of time. But you see, how many of you remember that Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist? And when Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, you, you know, there was a... Uh, the Holy Spirit came and in bodily form like a dove and lit upon him. But the Lord had told John the Baptist, whoever you see the Holy Spirit come upon and remain, you'll know this is the one that has come that I have sent. And so Holy Spirit came that day upon Jesus and lit upon him and stayed upon him. Now, he said, it's very important that we understand he said that he remains on him. The prophet, the priest, the king in the Old Testament, they had Holy Spirit come upon them to empower them for certain uh, functions and for certain actions and for, to, to give them prophetic words and to give them signs and wonders and miracles. He came upon them, but it was for a time, it was a temporary empowering that came upon them. But Jesus was the first one that he came upon and remained on him. Now, I love what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit when he comes to you, when he comes upon you. He says, he will abide with you forever. That sounds like he's remaining, doesn't it? Hallelujah. So say this with me. Say, he is remaining on me. Praise God. And he is infilling you, praise God, with the life of God. And now you have God inside you. Praise God. And he is never leaving. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. And Holy Spirit is just like him. He is another helper. There are two words for another. There is one that is the, the, uh, the word heteros, which means of a different kind. But then there is the word alos, which means of the same kind. 
When Jesus said, I'm going to send another helper, he used the word alas because he was sending another one that was identical to him. And if Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you, Holy Spirit will never leave you or forsake you. Praise God. He has come to infill you, and there was a wind that blew on the day of Pentecost that filled the whole house and everyone in the house, I might add. Filled everyone in the house. And then immediately after they received the breath of God, the life of God, immediately after that, there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire, divided tongues of fire, and sat upon each of them. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Praise God. Praise God. So it's important that we note that yes, they were born again before they received the baptism, the fire, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And it happens suddenly. This word suddenly is really important uh, to us here because it, it is the same word. Remember I, I said the, when, they, when, the, when the wind filled the house, when the sound of the rushing mighty wind came, that they were all born again at that point. That word suddenly is a word that is used in Scripture to refer to a woman giving birth. It says, uh, one place that that word is used, it, it says that when they cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. As a woman in labor, labor comes upon her suddenly. Praise God. And so it's important that we note that, that something happened here. It was related to the new birth. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son into the world, born of a virgin. All right? So this is talking about a birth that was taking place. And then, notice it said, when the, when the fullness of time had come. This is in, in the book of Galatians. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son into the world. He was born into the world. Now notice the language, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. The fullness of time had come. The day of Pentecost had fully come. Praise God. Then suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house, filled all the people that, that were therein. Praise God. So it's talking about a birth. They were born again when the wind came. And then they received the cloven tongues of fire. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's look at this. There are two types of the Holy Spirit. There's actually more than that, but there's two that I want to talk about today. There, because we're talking about two ministries of the Holy Spirit, two works of the Holy Spirit in your life. You say, well, do I... People say, ask this question, and you know, I heard this question so many times over the years. 
Well, do I have to have the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? Well, let's go back to my uh, original statement. Until, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not born again. Now, I didn't say if you don't speak with tongues. I didn't say that. I said if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not born again. Holy Spirit is not tongues. He is a person. Not to be confused with his work. He has a job to do. He has a position to fill. He has a a, a work to do in your life. And he has benefits. But he is not to be confused with the benefits. Speaking with tongues is a benefit of the Holy Spirit. But speaking with tongues is not the Holy Spirit. You know, I speak with tongues, but I don't speak with tongues all the time. But I am filled with the Holy Spirit all the time. Praise God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit when I am sleeping. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit when I am doing manual labor. I am filled with the Holy Spirit when I am silent, when I'm not saying anything. I don't speak with tongues continuously, but I am continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Every moment of every day, even when, you know, I know you don't believe this, but there are times when I don't act right. But even when I don't act right, don't ask my wife. She'll confirm that, but, but don't ask her, okay? There are times when I don't act right, but even when I don't act right, I'm still filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Even when my mind's not in the right place, even when I say things I shouldn't say, I'm still filled with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said he would abide with me forever. He would never, ever, 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 ever leave me or forsake me just like Jesus will never leave me or forsake me. Praise God. And so I am filled with the Holy Spirit whether I look like it, whether I act like it, whether I'm thinking like it, whether I'm speaking, whether I'm not speaking, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise God. But there is another work of the Holy Spirit. Can you go to heaven without the second work? Yes. Can you go to heaven without the first work? No. You must be born again. Did not say you must speak with tongues. But but the scripture does say you must be born again. But that's a work of the Holy Spirit as well. Praise God. Praise God. So you must have the Holy Spirit not to be confused with you must speak with tongues to go to heaven. All right? But there are two types that I want to talk about today. There is oil. Holy Spirit is spoken of as oil. And there is wine. 
Holy Spirit is spoken of as wine. When they were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and they spoke with tongues and everyone that was there in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost that day, they heard them speaking in their own language wherein they were born. And they, but these were all Galileans. That was, was what was so amazing. These were all Galileans. And yet there were people there in Jerusalem that day from all over the known world, and they all heard them speaking in their tongues. Now, here, here's an interesting thing for you to for you think about for just, no, let me come back to that. I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to go there yet. We'll, we'll come back to it. But what did they think was happening? They said, these are all drunk. These are all drunk. And Peter stood up and he began to preach and he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. He didn't say they weren't drunk. He said, they're not drunk as you suppose, seeing that it's only the third hour of the day. He said, but they, you know, they're not drunk with wine as you suppose. He said, but they are Filled, he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, saying, you know, and, and went into and began his sermon there. But, uh, you know, the, he, they, they were confused with being drunk with new wine. And so we see the type of wine and we see the type of oil. Now, Jesus said this. Remember when Jesus, let me just, let me give you the scripture here. Um, in Matthew chapter 9, this appears in Matthew 9, Mark 2, and also in Luke chapter 5. All three of, of these gospels uh, give this analogy and, and give this, this uh, uh, the story that Jesus told. He, in Matthew 9, verse 17, he says, Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, and the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, Mark 2, 22 says essentially the same thing. Mark 5, or Luke 5, 37 says essentially the same thing. So we're not going to read all of those. But he talks about new wine being put into old wineskins. Why do you not put new wine into old wineskins? Because, I mean, he tells you there it will burst. But why, why did that happen? Why did he say it will burst the wineskins? Because there is a fermentation process and gases that begin to expand from the fermentation process, and, and there, there is power there. And so if you take a brittle old wineskin, generally when they were speaking of wineskins in Scripture, they were talking about a goat's stomach. And they would take that goat's stomach, and as long as you kept it full of wine, it would hold the wine. It, it, would, it would contain that. But... Once it was emptied and the wineskin then began to dry up and all the moisture began to leave it through the evaporation process, it began to dry up and the wineskin became hard and brittle 
And if you poured new wine into that, and then those fermentation gases begin to build up on the inside of it and expand, it would, because there's no elasticity in that wineskin anymore, now it would blow up the wineskin. Jesus said you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. Well, he was, he was not telling a story about wine or wineskins or goat stomachs or something. You know, he wasn't telling a story. That's not what the story was about. He was talking about you were an old wineskin. You had no life in you. You had no elasticity in you. You had no ability to contain the power of the Holy Spirit. So he said what they do, and, and, and you can study this out, and you will find that what they did in those days uh, with, that, with that goat stomach after it had been emptied and it dried up, if they wanted to use it again, they had to make it new again. Now, if God wanted to fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit, he had to first make you new. Praise God. What did they do? They first of all, they soaked it in water. Now, I said I was going to talk about two types. So actually, we're going to throw in a third one here. Okay? Third type, water of the, of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it would be in you as a well springing up. And then he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Praise God. So that's a type of the Holy Spirit. said he spake of the Holy Spirit. And so um, they would soak this wineskin in water. And then, after they had soaked it in water, then they would rub oil into it. There was a process where they massaged that wineskin with oil. Holy Spirit is spoken of as oil. Remember Psalm 23? The psalmist wrote this. He said, my cup runs over. You, he said, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. You anoint my head with oil. There's a type of the Holy Spirit making you new. And then he said, my cup runs over. Runs over with what? Wine. Praise God. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. There is the work, two aspects, two works of the Holy Spirit in your life. Praise God. He, and, and so Jesus said, you don't put new wine, you don't put this wine of the Holy Spirit into an old wineskin. That's why he said the world can't receive this. Why? Because the world, unbelievers, that's who he's talking about, unbelievers are old wineskins. Before you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you were the world. You were an old wineskin. You were hard. You were brittle. You had no elasticity. You had no ability to contain the power of the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus came along, and Jesus rose from the dead, and then he sent the Holy Spirit back in his place to make you a new wineskin. Skin. You anoint my head with oil. Praise God. You soak me in the water of the Holy Spirit. You massage in the oil of the Holy Spirit. And then you pour in the wine of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. 
Praise God. So a lot of people that deny this second work of the Holy Spirit, they've been made new wineskins. They've received the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. They have been made a new creation in Christ. But let me ask you this. Why would you go to all of the trouble to soak in water, then to rub in the oil, and then not put any wine in it? Why would you do that? Why would God make you a new wineskin and then not fill you up with the wine of the Spirit? Praise God. You see, the oil of the Holy Spirit just makes you new. But it's the wine that gives you power. That's why Jesus said, you shall receive power, Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power, power. You see, Jesus talked about, he says, no one having drunk new wine or old wine, sorry, no one having drunk old wine immediately says, give me the new. He says, because they say, the old is better. But did you realize that Jesus didn't say old is better? They said old is better. Yeah. I, I wondered one time, why, why did Jesus say, I don't drink wine, so I don't know why they say old is better. And, and I wondered, why did Jesus say old is better? Well, Jesus didn't say that. He was saying people say that. Old wine is better. Well, I did some research. I went to Google. Because you can learn anything on Google, right? Anything you want to know, Google can tell you. And so, so I went to Google to find out why. Why is old wine better? And the answer that I came up with, the answer that I found on Google is, it's not. Well, if Jesus had said, oh, wine is better, I would have disagreed with Google because I've got to agree with Jesus. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said people say that. But why do people say that? Because it is smoother, because there is not as much power in it. Because New wine is still in the process of fermentation, and it is still putting off the power. But once wine becomes old and it begins to age, it becomes smoother tasting, but there is not as much power in it because the, the, the fermentation has already, the gases are no longer building up in there because it's already finished with that. It's already done that. So, this is why, but do you realize I got to throw in a little side lesson here? That, uh, but, but the new wine is where the power is. This is why Jesus said you don't put new wine. He didn't say you don't put wine. He said you don't put new wine into old wine skins. You don't put the power into old wine skins. 
Now, do you realize that the difference in new wine and old wine is old wine is law. New wine is grace. Old wine is law. People that have received the law often say, this is, in fact, I found this translation in one in one translation, I can't tell you what translation it was in uh, because I don't remember. Um, but there is a translation that says that the old is good enough. It doesn't say the old is better. It says the old is good enough. So when I've tasted the old wine, this is good enough. Why do I want to change? Why do I want something new? I'll just stick with the old. Anybody ever gone to a restaurant that has a menu with, you know, dozens of items on the menu, but every single time you go there, you order the same thing? You've never even tried the other things. You don't know if they're good or not. You just went there the first time and you tried something and you liked it and you stuck with it. I like this. This is good enough. And then one day you decide because your spouse keeps needling you, why do you always order the same thing? And so one day you say, okay, I'm going to branch out. I'm going to order something different. And you order it and it becomes your new favorite. All right? People who have Do you know anybody? Maybe maybe we're talking about you here. Maybe you got saved in a legalistic church. And you got saved because law was preached that if you don't get saved and if you don't straighten up and act right, you're going to split hell wide open. And so you got saved because you heard the old law preaching and therefore you got saved you accepted Jesus as your savior because you were afraid to go to hell and then someone came along and they said we are not under law but under grace that 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 other person was uh, by the way known as the apostle Paul he said for you are not under law but under grace praise God and you said well why would I, I've, I've, had them, I've had them sit in the seats in this church that they said, well, we don't need that grace because the law is good enough. You know, we just want to stick with the law. Why do we need this grace stuff? We just need, you know, we need you to preach hard on sin. We need you to preach hard on, you know, acting right and behaving right, and that's what, that's what we need. We don't need this grace stuff. And so, you know, people who have tasted the old wine, we like this. We want to stay with this. Why do we need this new wine? Because the new wine is where the power is. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so, here we go. Jesus said, don't go pouring new wine into old wine. Let's make the old wineskins new. 
Praise God. Well, maybe you're sitting here today, maybe you're watching me online today, and maybe you're an old wineskin. You were made to contain wine. You were made to contain new wine. But you have not been made new. And so Jesus wants to make you new by applying the oil of the Holy Spirit to your life. Now, I'm not done preaching yet, but right here, I'm going to go ahead and give an invitation for you to become a new wineskin. Praise God. And we're going to preach a little bit more after we get done with this. Okay? But if you have never received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're an old wineskin, and you cannot contain the power of the Holy Spirit. But we want you to become a new wineskin. Jesus wants to make you new right now. This is why the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Well, how can you become a new wineskin? You can become a new wineskin by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and says you will be saved, which means you become a new wineskin. Hallelujah. And the moment you become a new wineskin, you will become eligible to receive the new wine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said the world can't receive until you're made new. You're not eligible. Until you're made new, you cannot receive this new wine. But Jesus wants to fill you with the new wine, so he's got to make you new first. Praise God. Praise God. So let's just all, let's, let's just say this together. Just, just raise your hand and say this with me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, to pay the penalty for all of my sins. And he wants to make me a new creature. He wants to make me a new wineskin. Today I believe that Jesus rose from the dead so I could have that new life, so I could be made brand new. And today I choose Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now the moment you said amen, that means so be it. So the moment you said that, if you had never received Jesus before, praise God, then you became a new creature. Now, if you've received him before, you were still a new creature, okay? But if you've prayed that for the first time and meant that, you became a new creature. Now, you're eligible to receive the wine of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. I, I, no, I'll tell you that later. Um, Praise God. Now, we're going to tell you how to get the new wine. Praise God. Praise God. Now, Acts chapter 2, verse number 13, they said they are full of new wine. Because something notable had been observed. There was a change 
in behavior. Peter, remember Peter, the guy that denied the Lord three times before the rooster crowed? You know, Jesus told him, he said, you, you know, he, Peter's boasting. He says, I'm going to, I would die with you. And then a little slave girl comes by and says to him, you were with him. And he starts cussing so that he can prove that he hadn't been with him. And, uh, and, and you know, he, he wimped out on Jesus. But then, after the day of Pentecost had come, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up. And he began to preach Jesus. And he said, this is the one that you crucified. He said, he's the one that you nailed him to the cross. And this is the one that rose again from the dead. He preached with boldness, praise God. He said, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He said, in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Peter began to preach. Then, just a few days later, we don't know how many days. Sounds, sounds kind of like the next day, and it might have been. I don't know. We don't, we don't know exactly. We're not filled in on what the time frame was. But within a short period of time, Peter and John are going up to the temple on the day uh, of, uh, or at the hour of prayer, and they encounter a man that had been begging alms at the at because he was lame, because he couldn't walk. And so uh, he's been begging alms there at the beautiful gate of the, uh, of the temple. And he looked at Peter and John expecting to receive something from them. And they looked at him and they said, we don't have any silver and gold, but what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is the same guy that wimped out on Jesus not too many days before that. Praise God. This is the same guy that stood up and preached boldly on the day of Pentecost. Praise God. And then... These are the same guys, P Peter was one of them, but John was his, his companion, and they, they brought them before the council, and they said, you know, don't be preaching in this man's name. Don't be preaching in this name that you're filling this city with. Don't be preaching in this name. And they say, we ought to obey God and not men. Now, they went from being, or Peter at least, I don't know about John. John, actually John was the only one that was there at the cross. He's the only one stuck around. But, but Peter, you know, this is the guy that had wimped out, but now he is preaching boldly Jesus, and he is saying that we ought to obey God rather than men. This guy went from being a coward to being bold, within a very short period of time because he had been filled with the power of the wine. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Maybe you've been lacking power in your life. Maybe you've been a new wineskin for years. But why would you create a new wineskin and not fill it up with wine? 
Why would you create a, a new wineskin for the purpose of filling with the power and then not fill it with the power? Jesus wants you full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Praise God. And if you've been lacking the power in your life, maybe it's that you're an, an empty new wineskin. Praise God. Well, you can get filled up today. Praise God. You say, well, do I have to speak with tongues? I love what my pastor friend always said. No, you get to. Praise God. No, you get to. Hallelujah. You know, th this is not so. I uh, heard a story of a, of a man that he went to a church and, and received the baptism with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with, with tongues. And he went back, couldn't wait to go back and tell his pastor. And his pastor told him, said, no, that's of the devil. And he said, um, I've been hanging around in the devil's places all my life. I've been doing what the devil wanted me to do for years. He has never once made me speak with tongues. I've been saying everything the devil wanted me to say for years, and he never had me speaking with tongues. You know, sometimes we just got to use a little bit of logic. But you see, Holy Spirit will empower you. Praise God. Praise God. Now, on that day of Pentecost, all those that were in Jerusalem that day heard them speaking in their own tongue wherein they were born. Now, now think about this for a minute. This is where I was going to go a while ago, and I said, no, I'm going to wait. Um, okay. They all heard them speaking in their own tongue wherein they were Born. Now, these were people from all over the known world. In fact, I counted that up, and I believe it was 17 different uh, areas that these people were from. So, so we can reasonably assume that there were probably 17 different languages represented there. It didn't say that some of them were speaking one language, some were speaking another language, some were speaking, no, it says they were all speaking in their own tongue. But actually, that's not what it said. It didn't say they were all speaking in their own tongue. It said they heard them speaking in their own tongue. So I contend this, that, you know, did, did they all, were they all speaking the same thing. Let's, let's just say, for instance, the, the Apostle Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men or of angels and have not love, it profits me nothing. So, you know, were they all speaking in, a, in an angelic tongue and then everyone heard it differently because a miracle took place in the hearing of the people? Or did something... Did, did Holy Spirit alter the sound waves before it got to the ears of the people? Or, you know, we're not really filled in on the details, but we know what it says. It says that they all heard them speaking in their own tongue. So, 
You know, it, the, the point is, it really doesn't matter. And neither one of those options is out of the realm of possibility for Holy Spirit. Now, we do know what Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men. So, sometimes when I'm speaking with tongues, I may be speaking a human language. And, uh, you know, I was speaking with tongues one time up here, and someone came to me after church and said, uh, uh, I heard Spanish in that. I don't speak Spanish. They heard Spanish in it. Well, I don't know if I was speaking Spanish. I don't know if it was something that just, you know, I know the, the Filipinos borrow some Spanish words, so maybe I was speaking Filipino, and, uh, you know, I don't know. And, and let, we can get really hung up on that, but it really doesn't matter. What matters is that Holy Spirit begins to affect our language. Who's ever been around a drunk? Okay. You, how many of you noticed that their speech was affected? You know, they begin to slur their words and... And uh, their speech was affected by whatever they were drunk on. Now, I contend to you today that when Holy Spirit wine begins to fill you up, your speech will be affected. Now, this is not coming from your head because your head don't know this stuff. You know... God doesn't just supernaturally teach you another language. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. He says, so I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. So, he says there is a time and there is a place for both. But when Holy Spirit begins to fill you up and affect your speech, praise God, it begins to, it begins to change how you talk. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I want to ask you this morning, if you have never received this new wine of the Holy Spirit, this is why I, I, I tell you, it doesn't come from up here. The, the language doesn't come from up here. It comes from down here, from your spirit. It rises up on the inside of you. This is why I always tell you, when, when, when people come to receive or when I give an invitation for people to receive this baptism with the Holy Spirit, that it comes up from the inside of you. And it's going to be a language you've never learned. Praise God. Now, what were they doing on the day of Pentecost? They were glorifying God. They were worshiping and glorifying, speaking the wonderful works of God.